This is It Just Takes One. One person, one experience, one idea, one moment to change your life. Here's what's coming up on today's show. And it's unreal to be able to say that this is actually my book and yeah, I wrote this and I worked and this is this is like the masterpiece I created. As I record this, it is late September 2020. We are about six months past the moment when the United States effectively shut down due to a quarantine. The quarantine was a result of a worldwide pandemic. The coronavirus, COVID-19, spread across the world and our country effectively shut down. Six months later, for the most part, all of the states are open and working and getting back on track. There is still a lot of uncertainty, a lot of unrest. People don't know exactly what the result of all of this is going to be. We are not through the pandemic yet. There is no vaccine. And so the uncertainty continues. But even now at the end of September, as we sit here and are effectively getting back to some semblance of normalcy, I'm curious to find out what you did during the quarantine. If you look back on those first couple of months, those weeks when we were, other than essential workers, completely shut down, what did you make of that time? How did you use your time? And would you look back and say you did something really productive and proactive, or did you end up shutting down just like the rest of the country? The reason I ask is because the guests that I have on the show today really stepped up during the quarantine. Today, I have nine teenagers joining me. These teenagers are from all over the country, coast to coast, north to south. The nine of them came together in April, about a few weeks after the quarantine began, and committed to writing a book and to doing that work during the quarantine. At the end of August, we launched their book called Quarantine, T-E-E-N, The New Normal. And today we're going to talk about that book. We're going to talk about the experience. We're going to talk about what it meant for these young men and women to step up during a highly volatile and uncertain time in our country's history and do something so positive and so uplifting that will last well beyond them. I'm excited to welcome them to the show today. And so I invite you to sit back and listen in as these nine teenagers share something pretty spectacular. Hello, everyone. I am so excited to have all nine of you best-selling authors here on this podcast episode with me today. Welcome to all of you. And I'm going to actually start by giving our listeners an idea of who is on the call with me here. I'm going to introduce each of you. Um, these are the nine authors that just became best-selling authors with their book, Quarantine, A New Normal. 
And with me today, I have Mia Konka, Brady Durkin, Eva Farenkrog, Brooke Holman, Lauren Kern, Chase Lormond, Chris Silveraja, Jeremy Silveraja, Helen Tracy, and of course, my better half in scripter publishing, Greg Justice. So great to have all of you with us today. And I'm excited to share a little bit about this journey that we have been on to get your book published. Now that it's been published, I want to just hear a little bit about what that has been like for each of you. And Helen, I'm actually going to start with you. Can you tell me a little bit about what it has been like since you actually got a chance to hold this book in your hand and say, I am a best-selling published author? It's been really positive, which was something that I was super relieved about. I mean, I knew like people would obviously be supportive, but just like from my community, I've really felt the support and the love from everybody, which I'm super grateful for. You also had a wonderful opportunity. You were recently interviewed by your local TV news station. Have, have, tell us yeah. about that experience. Um, it was really cool. Um, the person who interviewed me, she was just like fresh out of college. Like she'd been working for the station for about a year. And um, I was expecting her to bring like a bunch of huge TV gear with her. And, you know, I would have obviously been super intimidated by that, but she just had a tripod and set her phone in there and just hit record without even telling me. Like I had a mic on and everything, but I didn't know like she had recorded it and she just talked to me and she ended it and she was like, okay, that's it. Like, and I was like, what? Like, this is, that was the interview. And she was like, yeah, like um, some of my best work um, has just been from having a casual conversation. So that was really cool uh, to be on TV and have people see that. But it was also really cool because I was expecting to be really nervous about it, but it was really chill and relaxed, which I was happy about. Yeah, no kidding, because it could be very intimidating, but that is the sign of a great interviewer who can make mm -hmm. you feel that comfortable and you know, just let it be as informal and easy as possible. Good for you. Um, we actually had some other people who have had an opportunity to have some media exposure as well. Chris and Jeremy Silveraja, you guys both were interviewed on a couple different radio stations. Um, Chris, tell us about that experience for you. Uh, well, at first I was uh, pretty nervous because I didn't know what to expect, but uh, it, uh, he made me feel like comfortable and it just went on like a normal conversation. We just uh, talked on the phone and he asked me questions and I answered. Yeah, I was wondering how that was because you were doing it on a phone, which is sometimes harder because you don't have any visual connection with the person. Was it difficult to do the interview over the phone? Um, I mean, it probably would have been easier in person, but it wasn't too hard because he directed it to each of us and he made sure we knew like who was supposed to be talking and who should stay silent. I actually am lucky enough to live um, in the same town that Chris and Jeremy live. So I was, I knew the, the radio was going to happen because you guys had told me, but a couple of days later, I was just driving to the store and it came up unexpectedly. And I was like, Oh, they're still playing it. So they actually played your interview several times. Did you know that Jeremy? Uh, yeah. 
Um, actually, we were on two radio stations, and um, I, I thought they only played it once, one time each. And, uh, and yeah, so I'm, I was pretty surprised with that, too. Yeah, I thought it was really cool. They were definitely impressed with um, everything that you guys had accomplished, and um, I was glad to see that they played it a few times for you. We've also had several of you guys were able to be on a podcast, uh, Brooke, Brady, Mia, Chase and Eva, you guys were all on the Todd Durkin Impact Show podcast, correct? Can you tell me a little yeah. bit about what that was like, Brooke? How was that to be on a podcast? Um, actually, I was supposed to be on it, but I couldn't go on it. So, so this is really your first chance to be on a podcast. Yeah. Nice. Brady, tell me about being on your dad's podcast. What was that like for you? Well, for me, it was a little bit different than everyone else. It was just kind of like, it was cool seeing my dad do what he does best. And then it was awesome being with my fellow authors as we like talked about something that we've been doing for like so long and just kind of like expressing what we feel about the book. Like, it's cool to just like hear like what, what like Chase and Mia and uh, Eva have to say, because like, it's just, it was just an awesome experience. I'm so glad I got to do it with my dad. It was great. Yeah, very cool to do it with your dad. And you bring up a really good point because none of you guys, other than Chris and Jeremy, who are obviously brothers, none of you knew each other before this project began. And, you know, as you're talking about kind of getting a chance to hear what the other authors were having to say, um, it reminds me of those first couple of phone calls where we were just starting to introduce each other. And now here we are this many months later, really having worked together. Mia. Tell me a little bit about that experience and what it was like to participate in a project where you literally knew nobody and, you know, we're jumping into this whole thing completely green and, and, and so brand new. It was kind of nerve wracking at first because you didn't know anyone and it was all new, but then as like you get into it, it was like calmer and it was actually really fun. What was the best part of it for you? Um, I would say like all of our meetings because you just got to hear what everyone had to say and sometimes you didn't even think of something that other people had to say and it just like changed the way you were thinking. That's really neat. So you played off each other quite a bit. That did happen um, in our in our weekly calls where someone would have an idea and then it kind of spun off and it would give somebody else an idea. Um, but it also brought out some of the challenges. Lauren, what would you say was one of the biggest challenges for you? of this whole project? Well, I feel like at the beginning, there's always a challenge of what am I gonna write about? What is gonna be impactful and still stays true to me? So I wasn't sure at the beginning what I was supposed to do, but we did an activity where you just write out anything and everything. Like it's called a brain dump, as we said in the beginning, and that was really helpful. And I was able to just circle terms and phrases and words and that ended up being the beginning of my paragraph to start off my chapter with the phrases and the words that I really felt connected and were true to me. Excellent. It was really um, an interesting process for all of us to go through that brain dump starting really with just getting the ideas out of our head onto the page and then letting that go um, and, and eventually becoming something that was more concrete. Eva, what would you say are some of the things that you learned about the writing process throughout this whole project? 
Well, I actually talked about this a little bit on uh, Todd's podcast, but um, what was most important to me was um, it kind of went with the the editing aspect where you've written your piece, you've you've written everything out, and now that it's all out there on paper, um, you need someone to coach you through it and help you edit and, you know, just pick at it and, you know, just really move it around, really edit it. And that person, learning to work with that person is going to help you create the best piece of writing or whatever it is, you know, it's just the coaching process that really, that was really educational for me. And I was really happy to have because, you know, through, I, as Lauren said, it was kind of hard in the beginning because there's just a bunch of thoughts in your head. You're not really sure how to write it out. But when you finally get it out there and then you can work with someone to really shape it and then you get this beautiful chapter and, you know, you and Greg helping every single one of us come out with these, the best work that we could have was just really great. And it came out as a really awesome book. So. Yeah, really did. Thank you. That's so many good points in there. Um, just about having a, a coach right by your side and making it a team effort so that you really are working together to make it the best that it can be. That is a really powerful part of the experience. Chase, I'm curious from your perspective, because certainly a lot of people will say, I want to write a book and I don't know where to begin. I don't know what to do. Now that you've been through this and can say you've written and published a book, what kind of advice would you have for somebody who maybe doesn't even know what this process is about? What would you tell them about it? It's a lot looser than people assume. Um, you know, <laughs> the editing process and the writing process really aren't that different. You really just, you take your ideas you write them out in any shape or form possible. Um, and then you just spend all of your time after that, slowly gathering it together and building something up that you can be proud of. And most likely, you know, if you spend that much time building it up, you'll be proud of it regardless because it's a little window into your brain and you really feel like you've left a permanent mark on the world that people will be able to revisit time immemorial. So it's, it's a really special feeling that I think you should just, if you want to get into it, start allotting just a little bit of time, maybe every day, every week, whatever, just to kind of filter through whatever you're thinking, because everybody thinks something different. Yeah, that's a really powerful thought right there, you know, to realize that what you guys have written is now out there forever, and will continue to impact the world in so many ways for years and years to come. Brooke, what would you say is the advice you would give to somebody? Um, I would start off just uh, same kind of thing with Chase. It's way looser than you would think. I went into this thinking um, more of like school stuff because right when I was, um, right when my dad told me that you were going to be kind of facilitating writing this collaborative book, Kelly, um, I was during school and I had a bunch of writing assignments. So I thought it was going to be just like a writing assignment. They told you what to do and you just kind of had to write it down and do it. But it's way looser than that. Um, you really just kind of write or type or do whatever. And I'm like, I'm a really big talker. So it was kind of different having to write it all down. 
but it was really helpful having Kelly and of course Greg um, along the way with me and of course I wrote the chapter but really I give a lot of credit to Kelly because we'd have private meetings and of course the group meetings where we all get to talk about um, our chapters and it was just really helpful and she definitely helped me write my chapter um, and come up with a lot of the ideas and stuff and it was just really helpful to have someone guide me along the way and also I thought of it more almost like therapy for me instead of I was writing a book. It was like a free therapy session for me because I talked about my parents being separated and some other kind of um, mental health issues that a lot of people are going through and that I was going through while I was writing this book. So it was really helpful to get all my ideas down. And it's really helpful for other people, hopefully, to know that someone else is going through what you're going through. And I really... I was really scared at the beginning. I didn't really want to put my ideas out, but now it was really helpful and I'm glad because um, I just feel so freed now. And it definitely helped me be able to talk about some issues that I was going through. And yeah, it was just really helpful for me. That is um, one of the wonderful things about writing is that it is a way to work through some of the problems or the challenges that we're facing in our in our lives, whatever those might be. And so it's a powerful tool and you're, you're describing that, although that is not at all what you anticipated when you started the process, was it? <laughs> but I'm curious because each one of you came to this process for a reason. You decided to join this project for some reason at the beginning. And Chris, I'm curious from you, what was the reason that you originally decided to be part of this book project? Uh, it was just something that caught my interest and I thought it would be good later on, like when I'm older, just to see if I could look back on it and see if any of my thoughts have changed or if I have like the same thoughts and remember what I did and quarantine. Hmm. That's a really good point as well. One of the things we spoke about early on was uh, the book uh, by Anne Frank. You know, when Anne Frank wrote her diary, she certainly wasn't writing it for the world to see. She was just keeping track of what was going through her world at that moment. And yet now, so many years later, we continue to look back on that to get a picture a sort of snapshot of what was happening at that time. So Chris, that's really what you're describing is this opportunity that some point down the road, you can look back and just look at a snapshot of this moment in time and why it's so important. Brady, what do you think about that? Because this was such a unique, and the reason we did it was because it is this unique moment in history. How do you think that your participation in this project um, has some impact on this moment of time, this pandemic, and this this historic, unprecedented moment in our history. Right. I mean, this is something that, like, doesn't happen. M many people, most people, everybody, they don't go through a pandemic, a worldwide <laughs> disease. This isn't something every day that, oh, it's just an, it's another thing. It's this is something that will be in history, will be studied about, will be looked at, will be examined by everybody from now on. And like to be a kid during this time, a teenager like we all are, it's just it's crazy. It's it's something that seems like it would happen, but for our parents and our grandparents, they've never seen anything like it. 
And it's just going to be awesome so that when we're their age and we'll be looking back at, we were like 15, 16, 13, however old we were, we were going through something that just does not happen. And that's just something that I've thought about many times. And I just think that it's crazy that like, we're not lucky, but we're able to see things that not everybody get to see at our age. That's absolutely right. It's a really special moment in that way. And and always looking at the positives that come out of the challenges of life, right? And one of the positives is that you guys are experiencing this and you now actually have a record of what it was like. I'm actually holding the book in, in my hand now. Mia, what was it like when you got to hold this book in your hand for the first time? It was like unreal for a little because you just like see yourself on the back of an actual book, but it it was really cool. Yeah, it's sort of, it's over, Greg and I always say is it, as many times as we've published a book, one of the most exciting moments is always when our authors get a chance to hold the book in their hand for the first time. Jeremy, what was it like for you when you got to hold the book, not just see it on the screen, but actually have it in your hands? It was, it was unreal. Um, like it, I saw all my hard work throughout the months that we worked on it, like finally on paper and it, it, it just was different than just reading it online. I, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it really different. just kind of takes your breath away. Doesn't it? Like, whoa, it's real. It's very real. I'm curious too, because not only have you had a chance to put your hands on it, but certainly your friends and your family have had an opportunity to read it and and talk to you about it. Lauren, what has the response been from people around you that have had a chance to read the book? People around me, oh my gosh, they're kind of just, they kind of just look a little stunned when they see it. They're like, wait, you actually have a book and it's a bestseller and stuff. And I always love their reactions because I got my book, we got our copy, and my mom picked it up and she went, wow, look at you, you're so pretty, look at your picture, look at all these people. Like she was like, oh, that's who you're talking to? Because on the back cover is a picture of everybody. And it was just unreal to see how just people reacted when I said I had a book and it was a bestseller. I was so excited when like my brother actually read it. He like read my chapter and he went, wow, that's actually really well written. Like he looked surprised a little bit. I was kind of like, thank you. Wasn't sure if that was a compliment. (laughs) Um, But my friend actually bought the book and you know, everything goes to proceeds. Everything is just for people who don't have as much as we do or to help them. And she thought it was a really good cause. So she bought the book and she read it and she was like, wow, you guys are just so talented. And it's unreal to be able to say that this is actually my book. And yeah, I wrote this and I worked and this is this is like the masterpiece I created. So everybody is a little, little stunned, little shocked. Not quite sure if they should believe me at first. Um, but I have a book that I can call my own, and I'm really grateful for the opportunity to be able to work with so many talented people. Yeah, that's, um, that's, it is funny because people are stunned. You know, it's not something that you hear very often from anybody, but certainly not from teenagers, and uh, that's got to be kind of fun. Chase, how about you? What was, and what have you received in terms of feedback from people who have read the book? They love my chapter. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> I, 
what I wrote was at least somewhat different in genre, I guess, from the majority of the other chapters, which I did intentionally. Not 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 because I wanted attention. It's not this whole thing. It's just because I wanted to get creative and see if I could express my thoughts in a different way than maybe you would first imagine. Mm. Um, and because I just like writing fiction also. Um, and when my family read my chapter, um, it really, they loved it first. Second, um, it started a conversation between us because my chapter wasn't just about, like, yes, it focused on my quarantine experience. My quarantine experience was really just um, a conclusion to a lot of the thoughts that I've been having and the difficulties that I've faced through my life because I had so much time to be by myself and try to sort things out that, you know, when my life kind of started slowing down. Um, and so a lot of that is expressed in my chapter. Um, the way that the main character has, you know, the way that they deal with their mental health, the way that they feel about their situation, how they feel alienated from the other characters um, was very representative of how I was feeling. So you know, not only did I get great reception of my chapter, also I had a nice conversation with my family about it and it pulled us closer. Mm, that's beautiful. I'm really glad that you brought that up about um, the expression of your chapter being a little bit different than the others because yours was really fictional. Um, and I think that was one of the things about this book and one of the parts of the project that we wanted to allow each of you to bring forth whatever was important to you and to share whatever was important to you so that the world could see what teenagers are going through and how you as a unique group um, are experiencing this a little bit differently than maybe um, another age group. So I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up. Eva, let's talk about that just a little bit further because I'd love for you to share a little bit about that process, the way that you started to write your chapter and then as you worked through it, brought more out and it sort of evolved into what it became. Can you talk a little bit about what that was like for you? Oh yeah, it was, um, it was relatively difficult in the beginning actually for me because I have always struggled with putting my emotions into words, which I'm sure a lot of us do. I mean, we're teenagers, we've got all kinds of issues, but um, it's, you know, it's, it's hard, especially going through that whole quarantine, even though we weren't obviously doing anything or stuck inside all day, it, it's a lot. It's, it really puts a damper on your emotional stability. You know, it was hard with school, with everything going on, not being able to see your friends and family. So with, after that whole, after that, after dealing with that, and now we've got this opportunity to write about our experience, I struggled at first figuring out how I was gonna write it, you know, how I was gonna put it all down. Mm -hmm. So eventually I settled on writing it, you know, just day by day, not exactly day by day, but I wrote it very chronologically. And I just kind of went through all the little things that I struggled with, those little moments that really stood out to me during those months stuck inside. And the, 
like I think Brooke mentioned earlier, the private, um, the private uh, calls with Kelly, with you, um, that we worked on. Um, and we, she really helped me work through all my emotions and everything, everything that was going on, everything that had happened that we had gone through. And she really helped me write it all out, put it on the page, go more in depth into everything. And the best part was at the very end, I could wrap it all up and put a title to it. The title was important to me also. I know that each of us had a, a, a unique title, something very different that represented our chapter differently, mine being uh, the perception of freedom. And so as I talked with Kelly through my chapter and through my experience, she helped me bring out that title and bring out the true theme and the lesson that I had learned from this whole experience. So that was really great, being able to put the title to it and give a really nice message along with the story. You know, any reader, the audience reading, gets to read our stories and then gets to see what we learned from it, gets to see what we took from it, the good things, the bright side. And that was important me yeah it's a great description of of how you kind of start with one idea and then it begins to morph as you work with it more and and the true essence of what you want to say eventually comes out kind of what chase was saying you know his came out in the way his did and yours came out in the way yours did each of you having your unique story i want to come back um lauren you mentioned earlier about the donations going to charity. And I really want to talk a little bit about that as well, because it's such an important part of this project um, that you guys all got together and came up with a couple of charities that you wanted to donate to. And Brady, I'd like to sh just have you share a little bit about why you think that is important, why that donation um, and, and those particular charities were the ones that you chose. What, what was so important about that for you? Right. Well all of us as the authors we decided on the charities of cancer and COVID-19 and I feel like that was just important to all of us because well COVID-19 of course because that was what the book was about and people struggling with that that's no joke and it's just something that I think that when we write a book about COVID-19 the proceeds should go to COVID-19 and then cancer we all decided that it's affected all of us in different ways. And it's just, it's good that we put the money towards something that can better other people. And it just, it feels great, actually. It feels really good to know that we are helping the people who need help. And I mean, as kids, we don't really need the money. And if we can help people get better, help people live, then that's just something that like, it feels amazing. Yeah, that it is. It's um, it's a really important piece of this whole thing. And um, Greg, you want to share how much we've donated so far? Yeah, we've um, so far we uh, have donated. We sent our first week of royalty checks of five hundred dollars to each uh, two hundred fifty to each of the charities. And as I was mentioning. Uh, a little earlier before we actually started the podcast, we've got another couple of checks going out this week uh, for that same amount. So we'll be to $500 for each of those charities. Um, and again, we're only in the 
full second week of uh, launching, and the book has been a bestseller uh, in the Being a Teen category for now 23 consecutive days. So congratulations to all of the authors. It's amazing. 23 days on the number one in the number one spot. That's pretty amazing. Um, we want to make sure we keep that going as well. So this book is out. It's published. It's a number one bestseller. But I'm curious to hear what you guys are planning to do with the book now that you've got it. Helen, what are you planning to do with the book now that you're a published author? Um, well, now that I'm a published author, um, I know what the experience is like, which is something that that I want to pursue some sort of, I don't know, publishing in the future or working for uh, like scripting movies or TV shows or what whatnot. So I think that'll definitely help me out in the long run. You know, having this experience under my belt is something that most teens cannot say that they've done, which is pretty incredible that we've been able to do it. So um, just moving forward, pursuing writing and really focusing on it. And of course, um, getting the book out to as many people as possible so that we can fund money for these charities that we've selected. Fantastic. Chris, I'm curious from you, what are you hoping to do with the book now that it's been published? Um, I hope I can use this as writing experience and to help uh, like make my writing more advanced later on and maybe I could use it to help myself write another book maybe in the future um, and this book will definitely help that if I do uh, do that. I love that. Uh, I hope all of you are inspired to continue writing and that you will think about maybe writing another book of your own down the road and even inspiring people around you to do that. Because now that they see you've done it, uh, it might just show them that it's possible. So um, I, I think those are great goals for all of you um, as you continue your writing careers. So. As we kind of bring this um, to an end, I do want to hear a little bit about some of the special things that have happened for each of you since the book has come out. Um, I know that Helen, you mentioned uh, that the librarian has picked up on that. You want to share that story? Yeah, that was like one of, like, yes, I, it was super cool that I had the TV interview, but just getting reached out by my school librarian, like, I didn't, you know, let my school know. She reached out to me, so she saw it, and I just thought it was, I don't know, it just was, it made me super happy, and I felt super grateful that my school was so supportive of me and wanted that. Um, and the fact that it's going to be in the library, and I've left my mark, like, you know, not only writing a book, like, I've left my mark at my school. When I go on, you know, people will still be able to check out that book and read it and hear all of our stories. I just think that's super powerful. And I don't know, I just feel the love from my school, which is super great. That is really, really cool. Brooke, you wanna share a little bit about what, speaking of school, what it's been like for you as you've started your new school as an author? Sure, um, well, it's just kind of been a new experience. I'm recently going into high school, I'm a freshman now, and none of the teachers know me. 
I haven't really been able to talk to them. So especially for my language arts teachers, they asked me, what have you done so far in writing? And I've always kind of been a writer since I was born, basically. I've always wanted to um, compete in writing competitions and um, just stuff like that. I've always really liked writing as a way to like get all my thoughts out. So that, of course, but also now I can say that I've been a part of a collaborative book and I think it's just a really cool experience. And so all my teachers are kind of getting to know that for me. And um, also just from last year, um, during the right when we went on to online schooling, um, my language arts teacher last year when I was in eighth grade, he was super supportive and nice, but I haven't been able to show him yet. So I'm hoping to give him a book and see what he thinks. And it's just been a really cool experience to kind of been able to connect with teachers on like a deeper level. And of course, um, I don't even know the librarian yet at my new school, but I think that'd be really cool to tell him or her about the book that I've wrote, you know? And it's just a new kind of thing, a conversation starter. and just like a new experience that I get to tell people. So, yeah. Yeah, something that you can be so proud of and, and something that will make you, they'll remember you for sure because you've got something so unique coming in. Um, also kind of strange because as you're starting school right now, everything's online for most of you or a hybrid uh, for a couple of you. So it's not quite the, the same normal as, hey, I'm gonna walk into the library and give them my book, right? <laughs> Um, Eva and Lauren, the two of you were sharing uh, before the call, you were sharing a little bit about a collaboration that you two are working on. You want to talk a little bit about that, Lauren? Yeah, I'm really happy to say that Eva's mom runs a local gym that also is going to be having a new biking studio there as well. So that's going to be a new change for them. but. We're going to be holding a local book signing, and I think Eva can tell you the date. I don't really know it. I think it's in a few weeks, but um, we're going to be holding a local book signing, and we're just really excited to say it's going to be like kind of social hour, like safely, but you are going to be like maybe seeing people, and we'll be signing books, and we'll be taking necessary COVID precautions for sure because we don't want anyone to get sick. There's been enough of that. But we're going to be holding a local book signing at Heather's Gym is what the place is called. Um, and I think Eva can tell you Eva, what you time and what date. details on that? I'm sure there will be some people from Heather's Gym listening, actually. Yeah, um, the date is September 19th. It's a Saturday. And um, we are doing it at uh 504 first street uh libertyville and uh we're gonna have she has a big garage door we're gonna have that wide open uh, we'll have our table set up we've got our books ready and if anyone wants to come if they already have a book that they would like signed or they'd like to buy a book you know whatever it is um you can come on over um yeah we're outside in the parking lot so there's no worries there and it would be really great for you guys to show us some support and you know we worked really hard so we're we're really proud of what we've created you know but it'll be i think it'll be super fun to have friends and family anyone show up and you know if you want a book you come grab one 
Awesome. I, I think it's something very much to be proud of. And, you know, the fact that you're going to actually be autographing books and doing a book signing is pretty exciting. Um, just another fantastic experience for you guys to have. Before we finish, uh, I do want to share just a little bit from the book. And Helen, I'm going to actually um, go back to you because your chapter is the final chapter of the book. And there is an imagery in your chapter about four-leaf clovers. And I'd like you to yeah. just share a little bit about the four-leaf clovers. And then I'd like to read just a little bit of the final couple paragraphs of the book. So um, my mom has always kind of had this thing for looking for four-leaf clovers. I think she did it with her friends a lot when they were younger. And so um, I guess she started, so she started going on walks before me. I gradually, if you read my chapter, I gradually, you know, came to the conclusion that I'll join her on her walks. But she would go and um, just like the time of year, March, April, like that's when they're really in bloom and were very like, they were growing a lot and so they stuck out a lot and you're able to really tell and pick through them. So she would find them and bring them home and started collecting them. And so when I started going, I obviously, this is what my whole chapter is about, but I ended up finding them and um, I grew this like, I don't know, just I grew this love for finding four-leaf clovers and um, it just brought me so much joy during quarantine to be able to just wake up every morning excited to race my mom to see who can find the most or race my brothers or see who could find some with the most leaves because in the end we were just looking for some extra luck and um you know hoping that all our friends and family would be safe and that we our family would be okay like because of covid and um it was just super fun to be able to do that and incorporate our family so it was something that's that was special and continues to be special because we still do look for four-leaf clovers. And just an estimate about how many four-leaf clovers have you found? Honestly, I think we've found between 200 and 300. And something like, if you see the back of the book, there's a picture of them and it's grown since then. That was taken in June or something. And um, now we've obviously found more, but it's just, representative of how much time that we had and how much like we could literally sit there for 30 to 45 minutes just collecting as many clovers as we could and I think our most we ever found was like 35 in one sitting and that was a combination of four five and a couple six leaf clovers it's just very representative of how much time that we had in our hands and to put it into something positive that brought our family together I think is something that is super special so special and also very much um, the reason that we ended the book with that chapter mm -hmm. and that beautiful picture that Greg is showing right now of all of those clovers <laughs> because there is an element of luck, there's an element of perception, there's an element mm -hmm. of hope that each of you has experienced and continues to share with anyone who's reading the book. And I thought I would just take a moment to share these last couple paragraphs to give a little bit better sense of that. Helen, you wrote, everything we've taken for granted in life suddenly makes me ask, what did I miss out on before? The daily walks with my mom and creating memories with my family made me feel so lucky during quarantine. 
It has opened my eyes and helped me realize that materialistic things aren't what matter. Building deeper relationships with those closest to your heart does. Those relationships built and experiences created are the four-leaf clovers in life. Losing certain experiences due to COVID-19 was undeniably hard to manage, but it's all about how you look at it. I think that's true about everything in life. Whenever you encounter something challenging, you have a choice to look at it differently. If you do, it might change everything. Be careful, you're going to miss them if you aren't looking. The four-leaf clovers are out there. You just need to look for them. Beautiful ending to a beautiful, beautiful book. You guys, it has been an incredible pleasure. Greg and I both um, have just thoroughly enjoyed working with you and being with you along the ride for this project. Mm -hmm. And as we come to the close of this whole podcast and, and this project, I always come back to the phrase, it just takes one. It's the name of this podcast because it is such a powerful phrase. And I'd like to close out by giving each one of you a chance to share what that phrase means to you. Now that you've been through a pandemic, now that you have experienced all the ups and downs and challenges that that has brought and the realizations and lessons that you've learned, now that you are best-selling authors, ready to share all of that with the world. What does the phrase, it just takes one, mean to you? Chase, I'm gonna start with you. Okay. Um, <laughs> I wasn't expecting to go first, okay. Mm -hmm. To me, I really think that phrase, it really shows how much of a teeter-totter we're constantly on you know, for whatever reason, you know, mentally, um, just your situation, uh, maybe physically for some people, um, that you're always one thing away from your goal or your demise, really. Um, it's not really about how strong or how tough you are to be able to take something or be able to deal with something because it's very possible to let anything knock you down um and for anything to knock you down the the strong part you know comes from how well you stand back up so that phrase to me really stands out as you know a reminder that you know to do anything you want to go anywhere that you want you're really only one one step away um whatever that might be for you know any individual for me this quarantine honestly this book was the step that i took from feeling alone and stuck to really being able to put all my feelings into a chapter uh, have a good conversation with my family um and just improve my life and my mentality so to anyone out there who might feel stuck or confused or alone or whatever, you know, whatever anybody's dealing with. Um, there's always hope. You just don't know what it is, maybe, if you feel like there isn't any. So oh, I'm done. That. just takes one, you're one step away. Beautiful. Mia, what does that phrase mean to you? 
The phrase for me, I think it, to me, it means like it just takes one move to change anything. Like it was like one click onto the Zoom call and then you're in and you're writing a book or it takes like one piece of paper to just jot your ideas down and then it can lead to a published book or it can even be in like games or something, one move, one goal, and you could like win a really big game or something. Just go for it. Like if you you want to do something, just take that extra step and you can end up loving it. One move, one move. It's all it takes. Excellent. Really good. Jeremy, how about you? So um, I think that it, it just means it takes one person or one one book in this case is change someone's per, uh, like idea of the world. Like maybe our one book just changed anybody's idea about a teenager and like what they were going through and how they felt. Or maybe even one chapter in the book may have changed you know their perception of what they think of us or how they how we feel. And uh, yeah, so good, absolutely just one chance to read something and learn something new and it changes everything. Really good. Brooke, how about you? What does it just takes one mean to you? For me, the phrase, it only takes one. Um, I see it as it only takes one person to try and make a change in the world. Um, and it always reminds me of a quote. I'm pretty sure all of you guys have heard it. It's very famous. Um, be the person or be, um, sorry, <laughs> make the change that you want to see in the world. So, um, it's just, you want to start, um, trying to make a change and more people will follow, but you have to take the first step. So it only takes one. Think of like any event, any big thing that's happened. It started out with one person, one idea, one thing that happened that multiple people joined on. So I think, just be the change that you wish to see in the world. And it only takes one person to start a big change. I love that. Gandhi. Quote from Gandhi. Beautiful. Really good. Chris, how about you? Um, I think it could mean it just takes one thought to help someone out or change your perspective. Because um, someone might be like feeling alone uh, and then they might have read one of the chapters and realized that they're going through the same thing as that another person is going through. And it can make them uh, feel less alone and show them that we're all in this together. Yeah, your chapter actually touches on a couple of those themes as well. Really, really powerful. Excellent. Lauren, how about you? So for me, I always use this perspective to try to place myself in different people's shoes and try to see things from as many perspectives as I can because I don't know what they're going through and I don't know what issues they've been having, what like inner struggles or even physical and external struggles they have. But it just takes one, to me, um, it just takes one deep breath. You just have to take just one pause, just one breath, and you just have to remind yourself that it's okay that I'm scared. It's okay that I'm not sure if I want to do this. It's okay if I haven't figured my life out yet. And as a junior who's figuring out colleges and SATs and ACTs and all that crazy stuff, and 
mental illnesses and physical struggles. I feel like I have a lot of experiences that allow me to say it's okay to just like step back and take one deep breath and just pause and just hit pause button and just realize that I know I'm scared. I know I may not be the smartest. I may not be the strongest. I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with that. Um, but you just, you have to realize that it's just one deep breath away from just a restart, hitting play, restarting, and just realizing that people are here for you. And there's, there's a connection, whether you like it or not. And people are going to accept you. You just have to find those people. So you have to find that one person. You have to find that one person that makes you feel safe or gives you that one deep breath and lets you just step back from life. And that's what it just takes one to me is. Yeah, really good. It's so important to remember the power of one deep breath and all that can do. Helen, how about you? What does the phrase mean to you? Um, for me, the phrase, it just takes one experience or one opportunity to completely change your perspective. For me, it was the walks with my mom and then just the advice that she gave to me and the four leaf clovers, like all of that is super symbolic of this ripple effect that has been created. You know, I thought I, you know, I started this little tradition with my mom and now I wrote a book about it. Like, you just never know how little something can be and how it can just add up so quickly to become something that you never dreamed it could become. I never thought this would come out of finding four leaf clovers, but I'm so happy that it did. Yeah. Small things become big things unexpectedly. Just one. Eva, how about you? What does it just takes one mean to you? For me, it just takes one uh, means it just takes one person to tell their story or it just takes one person to share their experience and you could be changing the, pers the perspective or the thoughts, the opinions, the feelings of anyone reading the book. Sharing your story is so important because there could be someone out there who really understands, really can see can see a reflection of themselves through that and sharing your story can be a lesson for others it can teach them um all kinds of different things whatever it is for us you know it was our quarantine stories and it just takes one person for this example it took all of us you know and we each shared our story and and shared our experience and Anyone reading the book can really read into and see what it was like. And anyone, not just us, you know, we're, we're we were teenagers and we shared our story. Anyone, um, a quote that Brady's dad uses a lot is that everyone has a story in them. Um, you know, everyone has at least one book. And I totally agree. I think that everyone, no matter what, your past is, no matter what, what you're going through, everyone has a story and it just takes one person to share that story and share it with the world. Yeah, so true. Brady, let's bring it home. What does it just takes one mean to you? Similar to Mia and Chase, it's just kind of like one decision, one little like taste of something. Like for me, I've had 
my fair share of quarantine. I'm, I'm ready to move on from there. But I think for all of us, we want more books. We, we got a taste of this and it's, it's something that we're not done with and we've got plenty more to go. And I think it's just something where you can make one decision and it can go down one path, go down another. It's just like one decision kind of changes where your life is. A couple months ago, I wouldn't be saying, oh, well, in September, you're going to be a published author. I would look at myself saying I'm crazy, but here I am. And here we all are. It's just something that like, you just never know. Like tomorrow, something can happen the day after that. Another thing you just never truly know. And it's just one decision after another. And it just, it builds off of itself. It's like a compound effect of just how truly different things can be starting from the most minute school decision in the morning make your bed day could be great don't make your bed eh. and then it just kind of it, it all changes you know it's it's all it's all it's all building off of itself so that's that's what that means to me fantastic well all of you made one decision to be part of this project and greg and i are so grateful for the experience and for getting the opportunity to know you and work with you and watch you succeed becoming best-selling authors. We look forward to everything that's coming in front of this and wish the best to all of you. Thank you so much. Wow, it was just great to have all nine of those young men and women together again. We worked together on this book project for four months, but having them together on the podcast was really a great closure and a great opportunity for them to be back together one more time. I found it really interesting to hear their experience looking back on the process and to see what they're taking away from the experience. I hope that you were also inspired by these very well-spoken, talented young people and the proactive steps that they took during this very historic and unprecedented moment in our history. As Greg mentioned, we have already donated $1,000 to the charities that the students actually voted on and we'll continue to give 100% of the proceeds from this book to those two organizations. And I just wanna call them out again. They are the Center for Disease Philanthropy COVID-19 Response Fund and also Doctors Without Borders. The students did get together and come up with ideas and they all voted on these two charities and the sales from the books will go to those two organizations as they continue to fight for COVID response and our health and well-being. And so this wraps it up. A great project, a great opportunity to work with these students, a great opportunity for them to enhance their skills. And if you are interested in reading the book, I hope you will go find it. It's out on Amazon and it is called Quarantine, T-E-E-N, Our New Normal. That wraps it up for today. I invite you to join us on our next episode of It Just Takes One. It's coming soon.